keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karplis, and I am joined by an esteemed panel of guests uh, this week. Uh, first and foremost, Dan St. Germain is here. Dan, how are you? Oh, you know, better than uh, better than Ace Steel. That's how I'm doing. Uh, speaking of guys down on their luck, Scott Chaplin is here. Scott, how are you doing? He's, he's driving in a car at the moment, which may improve his audio for all we know. Uh, in the middle of a high speed chase. No. Oh, boy. oh, it did not. Improve no, it did audio. not. It made it, it far worse. <laughs> it did not. Uh, and, and speaking of people who have had a, a rough week, uh, we are joined by, uh, the press conference, uh, pariah. Nick Hausman. Nick, how are you? R- rough week. What are you? Why am I? Ha- I'm having a great week. What do you? What makes you think I'm having a rough week? Your 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 CM Punk Cottage Industry, uh, unfortunately, until he, he pops up in uh, he's in the Impact. Nick Patrick of wrestling uh, podcast. You, you are you are CM Punk's Cato. Uh, <laughs> so we were hoping uh, to keep getting that insight, but uh, we had you on last week, and you were a hundred percent right. You said I don't think CM Punk's going to be at all out. And so, you are all, you are batting way better than Dave Meltzer uh, on our show here in terms of accuracy and professionalism. Uh, you know he was fired, Nick. At the what? time, did you did know, know he was fired? No, 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 no. My, I, so uh, just to kind of explain, I didn't know he was fired. I, I was operating. I think he got. I think he may have found out about his termination the same day we all found out about his termination, if I'm being quite candid, and nobody's asked me that question quite yet. Uh, I was operating under the impression that Punk just did not want to be there. Now, whether or not, you know, his camp or whatever was projecting that he didn't want to be there, knowing that there was some kind of tape that was going to swing the wrong way on him, I don't know. I do. I What I gathered is the guy didn't want to be there. Maybe this is AEW getting ahead of it by saying, well, we don't want him there, right? So we're going to get rid of him, as opposed to the other way around, where Punk's like, I don't want to be there and leaving. But the reason I said I didn't think he'd be all out is I was operating under the impression that he did not want to be there. Well, uh, CM Punk was uh, was released. He was fired. Uh, this is one of the rare times in wrestling where it was not a best of luck in your future endeavors. It was a he has been fired for cause on camera in one of the most awkward videos you've ever seen of Tony Khan, unless unless you saw the the live video of him talking in front of the crowd in Chicago. Dan, what were your thoughts on his announcement? I mean, the big news this weekend wasn't the firing. It was, hey, Robertson. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on? What do you think uh, about CM Punk? No? Robert, like, turned magic, he turns a little kid. I, I mean, I thought this whole, you know, I thought that, 
the video, the, both the video of him talking to Chicago and the video of the beginning of the collision are maybe two of the most uniquely embarrassing things I've ever seen in professional wrestling, which is shocking when you consider the crazy shit Vince has said over the years, the dumb shit that Eric Bischoff has said over the years. This was, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even think I need to comment on it. There's never been a promo, right, where that big a percentage of the audience just drops off the face of the earth, right? Like, Tony Khan cut a promo and lost 100,000 people on Saturday. I, I've never seen anything like it. You know, no. like even those like Triple H 25 minute promos after like a backlash or something like this, like didn't lose as many people. Well, because I think what happened, Dan, is people saw that and they went, nothing in life is going to top this moment. I'm going to go find a new hobby um, because it truly was one of the best heel promos in the history of professional wrestling and didn't draw a dime. And I think that's what's unfortunate <laughs> about it. Um it was it was legally precise because by them saying punk is fired for cause again i'm just putting my lawyer hat on for a moment i know nothing internally uh when you fire someone for cause that means you are able to say the contract has been breached therefore they don't have to pay him any more money uh if they say look we're going to we're going to shelf him mutually we parted ways usually have to say all right where well, we've made him some sort of payout when you're fired for cause, it's a breach of contract. Therefore, they're able to turn around and say, uh, we don't have to pay you another dime and maybe preparing for CM Punk to sue them. Uh, so he needed to establish that he was fearing for his life from CM Punk during the backstage altercation, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Nick, when Punk yelled at you, were you fearing for your life? No, no, I, I thought it was all quite funny because I knew that he was wrong. Um, but um, no, I, I was not fearing for my life when, when a bloody, angry CM Punk came at me. I, I want to point out that during the media scrum after the show, Tony was asked by uh, Brandon Thurston about the non-compete clause or if there is one for Punk. Did not want to answer that question, um, but, but said he didn't want to address that because he didn't want to get into the terms of separation between the two of them. Which came across to me like this isn't just a straightforward release. We're not going to get your. We're not going to pay you anymore. When you have a terms of separation, I feel like there's some kind of an agreement in place, right? Like Punk has been suspiciously or not so suspiciously quiet here. He may just be clearing his head and not wanting to talk to people. Or maybe there was something on the way out where he got the rest of his money or part of his money and agreed, "I'm not going to say anything. We're not going to court." And that leaves Tony Khan the ability to say, I fear for my life because he knows he's not going to get sued for saying that. It is Well, I know. I think that the saying he feared for his life is trying to back up the idea of there was probably language in the contract of things that would trigger the contract to be terminated and trying to physically assault your 11-year-old boss would qualify oh as grounds for terminating the agreement. Um, the fact that they said what they said after the fact, who knows? Maybe he does, they don't want to say the contract is is terminated. It is ripped up as of now, which means Punk could theoretically show up on Raw Monday night if he really wanted to. I, I've been asking people in WWE about the interest in, on their end from Punk. Uh, I got I got close to somebody that I thought might know if there's a vibe and um, did give me a real clear answer, but did give me a really good comparison. Um, they noted to me that when Cody Rhodes became available, 
Uh, the whole place went into overdrive. The whole place was up in every department. We got to figure out what we could do to land Cody. We got to get Cody. Everybody very, very excited to get Cody, right? The same fervor is not there for Punk, as far as I can tell, internally. And that could just be because he's different than Cody. Could be because they're preparing for their merger right now. But from what I'm hearing internally at WWE, it does not sound like they are uh, all uh, all hands on deck. We got to land this guy. Well, right now they're kind of firing on all cylinders at WWE. The the ratings are doing well. The the premium live events seem to be drawing. They're selling a lot of merchandise. They're on an upswing. The Endeavor uh, sale, I think they announced it today. It's hey, you know we're we're there. We're at the finish line. So bringing a guy like CM Punk in who may potentially fracture the locker room, who may wind up upsetting people or have another epic meltdown. You know, they're probably weighing the pros and cons of do we really need this guy right now or let him go home for a little bit, you know, eat some ice cream, have some cupcakes, pet his dog, relax and maybe bring him back in uh, in January when they when they bring in Max. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe you're right about that. I, I also had somebody very knowledgeable of pro wrestling say to me, you don't hire somebody when the business is hot. You don't bring a big name in when the business is hot. It doesn't really make any sense. And right now they got Cody, they got Roman in the wings who will be even more popular when he comes back after time away from TV. They have people they're building around right now and they don't really need a CM Punk. So rather than like wedging him in right now, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a kind of a hold pattern. If, if they're going to bring him in anytime soon, it'd be survivor series in Chicago, Thanksgiving week, same week. Tony Khan loves bringing AEW to town. It would make all the sense in the world to do it there for him. Plus, WWE has our uh, favorite wrestler, uh, L.A. Knight, universally beloved by every member of this podcast. Uh, he's, hey, he's he just incredible. signed a long-term deal, man. That's why I'm, I'm I'm towing the line now, Dan. He signed the contract. Nick Khan's like, got to put this kid over. L.A. Like me and C me and John Cena are both tasked with I, making I, sure. I, LA I am Knight's the great. I am the only one currently in a working relationship with WWE on this podcast right now, and I feel like I'm kissing their ass the least. Hmm. Which in Vince world would probably play well with him. Uh, <laughs> that would make him love you more. So we're going to talk about all out. We're going to talk about dynamite. Uh, Punk is obviously like the big story. There's a number of different little things that have dripped out over the last few days. There's the story that he had an altercation with William Regal, apparently early on uh, during Regal's tenure. There was the story that he was contemplating showing up at the Royal Rumble in January, somehow to get involved with something with Kevin Owens. Uh, obviously, Punk has gone, as we're recording this, a steal has been let go. Nick, you were you were boots on the ground for, for the pay-per-view this past weekend. Uh, what was the vibe that you saw? How, how did it feel at the press conference? What's your What's your big takeaway here? Well, first of all, I do want to go back to a couple of the stories you just brought up because I have some insight into at least two of them. But oh, the vibe, means, the, yeah. the the vibe at the arena uh, at the United Center was wild. Um, it wasn't really noticeable until the Young Bucks match. Um, Kenny got a couple "you fucked punk" chants. Nothing really heavy. Adam Page, uh, you know, <laughs> I got in trouble because I I was tweeting what I was seeing, which is. Crowd, they announce Adam Page gets booed. Then they say Adam Page is donating $50,000 to this school charity. Everyone goes, okay, yay, right? And I tweeted, oh, after the charity, they were cheering Punk or cheering Page, and people were giving me shit like, oh, why you got to drag a charity into this? Oh, they're, you know, whatever. So I, I yeah, they're just, just trying to grasp my straws. 
whatever. I it, it was deleted. Whatever. I'm not dragging the Chicago Public Charity Fund into it. So those guys really didn't take that much flack. But man, the Young Bucks, and it had to do everything with the victory lap. I had a lot of people tell me they hated the victory lap that Matt Jackson took on the collision the night before. And when they were in the ring uh, and they were tagged in, it was 50-50. I saw people, I'm not I'm not being verbose here. The, I saw people nearly come to blows. People going, You were yeah, afraid for your life. I feared for my life more in my seats at All Out than my, my media scrum seat last year in, in the backstage area. It was wild. I saw at least two fights break out near me from drunk people yelling at each other how Punk was either great or he was a cancer and destroyed the business. Wait, they didn't put you in a luxury suite? I assumed you had your own just like massive suite with security yeah. guards. Yes, yes. Uh, well, sorry to break the news to you there. Uh, don't necessarily get that treatment at the shows, Robert. Uh, had a normal seat, a great seat. Got to seat next to Denise Salcedo, who I enjoy watching wrestling with. But man, it did. It got very, very lively for that portion of the show. Uh, very unique environment. Um, now, about some of the stories you brought up here real quick. The Regal story. So uh, I I was hearing about this as I was sitting in my seat at All Out. So the way that it's being reported as of now is that uh, Regal signs with AEW. First time he shows up backstage, uh, CM Punk refuses to shake his hand and calls him a stooge. Your stooge of Triple H is so the story goes now. Uh, I had someone come to me, and I haven't written this up because it's only a single source, but this sounds right, and so I'll share it here, and, you know, we can let everybody run overdrive with taking it wherever they want. Ooh, we got uh, a scoop. I, we got a scoop. I know, I know, I know. Uh, that's why I said let's talk about it. Uh, I heard that there was pre-existing issues between these two from WWE. It wasn't just like Regal randomly showed up, and Punk was like, you're, you're a Triple H guy. I hate you. Uh, there was a situation... Uh, that's been explained to me or portrayed to me as like Regal getting close to someone about Punk in order to relay information about him to the office. And again, that could be horribly wrong, which is why I have not put pen to paper to report it, but it would certainly make sense why Punk didn't like this guy from when he walked in and didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, he's a Triple H guy. I think there was something else that had happened before between those two that, to set them off. Yeah, but there's there's no credence in that concept that Regal was a Triple H guy. It's not like he was there, created a stable, and then bolted back to WWE. That would just be insane. Um, so the the other uh, the other piece was the the WWE uh, rumor from from Rumble. Was that the other one you were going to comment on? Yeah, the Rumble stuff. So I was just very close to the situation at that time. Um, I left uh, for to go to a trip to Antarctica with my wife in December. That's right. And we had you on right before that. Go listen to it in the archives. Yes. And before I left in December, I was saying, I don't think this guy's coming back. I don't think this guy is happy. I think this guy wants out. I mean, I'm sure if you go back and listen to this, you're going to probably hear very similar shades of that. Um, when I came back, all of a sudden... Things had changed, and Punk was back in the picture. And from what I gather around that period, Punk just put down his sword and shield and said, I don't want to go to court. I hate spending money in courtrooms. I don't like being in courtrooms. I will take my chances. If you really want me to come back to work, Tony, if you really want me to come back to work instead of settling this in a, law, in a, in a lawsuit or just straight up letting me go right now, I'll come back to work, and let's find out what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like... 
know? so, so since we're in the the Conrad Thompson rumor and innu- innuendo tree, which is a strong tree to be able to hold up Conrad, uh, there was <laughs> some stories that have kind of also trickled out. Number one that uh, Punk lunging at Tony was a lot more aggressive than it was first reported, and number yes. two that there was another supposed confrontation with the two of them that took place in private, whether that was verbal or physical or whatever it was there. It's just kind of, there's like breadcrumbs, but nobody has really said anything. Nick, what was this lunch? What have you, I, 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 I have not heard from anybody directly. I've had other people that heard people come to me and tell me that he lunged or that it was a lot more physical than people would imagine. Um, I'm kind of played out on reporting all sides of the actual altercation until I see this video. If I ever get to see this video, it's possible. It was never framed to me in a way where, uh, there was lunging or aggressiveness. I mean, I, I heard he yelled at Tony very aggressively. I never heard there was a lunge. I never heard anything about this post lunging, uh, conversation. I think the conversation, uh, that I heard about with him and Samoa Joe, with Joe getting everybody back on the same page and getting the wheels moving again, far more likely to have happened than the punk. We finally found a locker room leader, guys. Well, I, I, Joe's good at it. I think Brian Danielson has probably surpassed him. I think Danielson's probably got more authority in the locker room than Joe at the moment. But regardless, I think Joe in this situation was the one to kind of mediate punk and get him back on board. And uh, I, I, I fully believe that conversation happened. I'm not 100% that the, the Tony Punk conversation happened. So last thing, Nick, before before we uh, we we're going to talk about all out and all that. You were at sure. the the press conference. What was your your takeaway from the press conference? Any interesting tidbits? Questions answered. Questions weird, not answered. Right? It was a little odd. It was a weird. It was a weird scrum. And I don't. And I I don't feel bad framing it like that because of the circumstance we were in. Twenty four hour, about thirty hours removed from Punk being terminated from the company. The show itself was fantastic. I really liked All Out. I thought it was a great show. It gave me vibes of like what AEW pay-per-views used to be when it was like young and fun. And they were like trying to pair young talent more with like veteran talent. And so I I thought it was a really, really good show. Nobody really wanted to kind of be the bummer in the room. But like our job is to ask questions about things that people are interested in. Right. right. And as far as far as every I mean, I know people are interested in how happy Chris Statlander or whatever is about her title win. There's a big interest in punk right now. And there's a big cover and there's a lot of interest in just the way the company's being run, how they're going to change things or not change things. So my first question to Tony was about what he learned from the CM Punk situation and what changes he would have made or will be making forward to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the video reaction, but I now hold the record for the shortest Tony Khan response in the history of the media scrums because he said nothing. He said absolutely nothing. He sat there didn't respond at all, acted almost as if he did not hear the question and then had a handler move along to the next question. That was one of the weird, I mean, from I one weird, that. dude, it is because like it was, it, I, I don't want to misrepresent it because I, it was a two-parter. I asked Adam what the vibe was like in the locker room and I asked Tony what changes he would make to make sure it didn't kind of get like this again. Adam gave a very nice answer about how the locker rooms united and then when everybody looked over to Tony to answer my part of the question, we all sat there quietly for about five seconds, realized Tony's not going to say anything, and then had to move on. And it was the it was one of the weirdest, like, five seconds of my entire life. It was very odd. Very odd. There are probably a number of girls who have had the same awkward five-second experience with Tony Khan. 
Um, I, I will say this before we truly let you go because I WWE did just announce this. Uh, they're shrinking the number of WWE press conferences they do. It's now just going to be after the big pay per views uh, and their international shows. Is this directly to keep you away from Triple H? Probably. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess they got they got uh, the Hausman scares. Um, I, you know, I look truthfully. I'm just glad we know. I mean, it's still a lot more access than we had. Like these weekends outside of Survivor Series because it's Thanksgiving, we'll still have one-on-one press opportunities for people to go get interviews with talent and talk freely with them and get these press conferences. I, I almost kind of wish AEW would adopt a very similar model. You know, um, shorter press conferences, more access to talent. I think it's a little bit more media friendly. So I don't have an issue with it. I'm fine with it. All right. Well, Nick, appreciate you uh, coming on. You are our our post-pay-per-view press conference darling uh, and uh, another eventful week in AEW. I I promise you I will find another story to get my hook into, and I will bleed it into the ground, and CM Punk's story will just be something that happened, and it will be in the books. I promise. Doesn't Punk have the almost obligation to break his first podcast back at House of Wrestling? Yeah. Dan, you would hope. I would hope. I I don't really know. Uh, I haven't talked to him or his camp about it, but let's hope. Maybe let's if hope. he goes on Cornette, that's going to break the internet. No, I no. Don't... If he if he goes on Nick's podcast and we find out that Nick shares a bank account with his mom, this is all worth it. <laughs> Spoiler: I don't. Oh, that's do a not. shame. Um, but uh, yes, Nick, thanks so much for he, for joining he uses us. His mom's bank account. It's very different. Yeah, Nick. Um. Hold on, yes, Scott's sir. calling from a public restroom. <laughs> I hear this. Yes, Scott. How, how may I help well, you, Scott? You know, because no one's really talking about Jungle Boy's punishment or Jungle Boy moving forward or people's takes backstage on him. People have to be rolling their eyes, right? You know, it's a great question, Scott. I asked about Jungle Boy in the scrums. I asked Tony if uh, there had been any punishment handed down uh, or they planned to, and that's what Tony uh, expressly said that Jungle Boy has been indefinitely suspended. Um, part of me, I, part of me thinks that this is this guy's going to get brownie points for this. You know, Matt Jackson doesn't get to do a victory lap unless Jack Perry instigated or whatever. I, I, I don't want to get people getting upset with the words I use. Maybe they instigated or whatever this confrontation with Punk. But without Jack, this doesn't happen. And those guys wanted Punk gone. And I think that he's probably going to spend some time away probably be well taken care of. He'll come back. He'll get a bunch of heel heat. And I think he'll just be back in the mix. That's my prediction. All right. Well, I guess we will, we will see what, what the future think? of jungle boy is in your mind, Nick, what was more uncomfortable this weekend? The, the, uh, the, uh, the celebratory lap from the young bucks or any of Tony's con speeches. I mean, the speeches went on longer. The lap was thankfully like a bandaid. He did it and he was gone. And then it gave us all something to bitch about. I think we can yeah. all agree the big winner in all this was Grayson Waller. Uh, his post on Twitter of yeah, him holding awesome. a Pepsi can to his chin, saying that he was assaulted by Jey Uso in the back and he should be fired. Uh, Grayson Waller wins uh, this uh, this weekend because apparently WWE had a pay-per-view too, uh, in case anybody... Uh, Me and Scott uh, reviewed it on our Patreon. I was That was my segue. I, Dan, I promise I had somewhere I was going with that. And I was say, if you want to hear... Dan and Scott's take on the payback pay-per-view. That was our Patreon, which is available now. 
at our $5 tier. I'll be doing my own recap of sort of everything that happened in WWE with Payback, Raw, SmackDown. Whole lot of stuff to cover there. That's going to be up on the Patreon as well. Uh, but Nick Hausman has things he wants to plug. He wants your time and attention uh, too. Nick, where can the good people find you and people who used to be fat and are now skinny who are on your show this week? Oh, Chuck Carroll, I saw. Uh, you must have seen was on my show here this week. Yeah, Chuck Carroll, Denise Salcedo dropped by House of Wrestling this week. Great conversation with both. Uh, Denise and I sat front row last year for the infamous CM Punk uh, media scrum. So you can hear me and Denise, uh, you know, reminisce about the good old days. Uh, talk about all out, all that good stuff. Uh, House of Wrestling.com, H-A-U-S of Wrestling.com. That's the spot to go to. Uh, the one punk exclusive we didn't bring up here today is the very controversial scheduled meeting that was set to take place between both sides the week before all in. I've seen documentation that says this meeting for many was scheduled, but you will hear Brian Alvarez say otherwise, and it is Schrodinger's meeting. So if you would like to learn all about that and more, you go to houseofwrestling.com. Did I do that right? That felt good. That was pretty good. That, that was solid. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp, great to have you on. Thank you for, uh, I'm sorry, Nick Hausman. Nick Hausman, thank you so much for having you on, uh, who keeps posing even though this is not a video podcast. I don't uh, care. It, it's just it's uncomfortable for the four <laughs> of us. Him leaning on his on his fist, uh, just mean mugging the camera. It's uh, it's great. But we are going to talk all out, Bye, uh, which, Bye. you know, <laughs> look, I don't want to be controversial with Nick Hausman already being on. But uh, this was a pay-per-view that significantly over delivered from what we were expecting based on the build based on the announced card, based on the chaos of the weekend. Full disclosure, I was away. I was on a I was on a vacation in in Vegas. I my phone blew up with like 200 text messages from the group about all the stuff going on with punk, with going into collision, and I thought this show is going to die a death. Uh and it seems like punk leaving was the lightning rod uh to get everybody galvanized and say we're going to go put on a hell of a show. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna break this thing down, but just high level at the top. Dan, did this thing over deliver for you? I mean, I just thought it was a good show. You know, I mean, I thought that uh, both. You know, I thought Payback was good. I thought this was a better show than Payback. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like. You know, I, it still didn't feel like it needed to happen. If that's the, if, if that's the question, I think the numbers have proven that. You know, I, I don't think they're even going to crack a hundred thousand buys on this. It's 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 asking a lot to you know have people pay a hundred dollars for your company within you know two weeks. In addition to everything else that's going on, um, I'm not sure if you needed it. Um, but uh, I mean, there's certainly matches I really liked on this card, and you know, we'll we'll get into it. I'd be curious to see the numbers on this show live buys versus people who ordered it after the fact and they heard about how good the show was and they 100% did not go to some sort of nefarious third-party website to stream it. On an unrelated note, Scott, what do you think of this show? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I loved it, man. It was, you know, it wasn't just them reacting to CM Punk. That's a lot of our brains doing that at the end of the day aw is unbelievable at pay-per-views they're unbelievable at putting a a pro wrestling card together 
and this shit was fantastic. There was a string of matches on this card that constantly made me go, oh, am I watching the pay-per-view of the year? And at the end of it, I don't know if it's the pay-per-view of the year, but there were moments where I was going, God damn, this might be, this might be. It was better. It was better wrestling than uh, all in for sure. It was better less wrestling. Less. It kind of felt to me like when they used to have backlash the month after WrestleMania and you tended to get better matches, but it wasn't as epic or as important as, as mania. Uh, and I think Nick hit it on the head. This felt like, some of the older AEW pay-per-views where it was like they were young and hungry and wanted to prove themselves. And in some ways it kind of felt like an ECW show where it's like, we as the locker room are going to come together and we're going to give you your money's worth. Uh, But it's tough a week after people paid for all in the day after payback, which is on Peacock, which is essentially free until Dan gets a show on there and they can charge through the fucking nose. Yeah, uh, but Mike has a show on there. I'll go watch Bupkis just in case he listens. And he's like, hey, you guys didn't, uh, you didn't promote Bupkis. Um, but is that, uh, Mike? that was he, my, that was, dude, yeah. yeah, Mike kind of, Mike sometimes talks like Jay Leno. He does sometimes. do like a Jay Leno sometimes. Yes. If Everyone's he's in a mood, if he's in a mood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If he's twirling they his both, fingers. They both look like they've survived a fire. <laughs> that, yes that that's true though i i would believe that mike has driven a lot of cars uh primarily as a taxi driver but uh we'll we'll get into the show the, the paper drive. yeah he doesn't that, that sounds about right he would like pedal like the flintstone car you got a flintstone car yeah the uh the pay-per-view opens with mjf and adam cole versus the dark order for the ring of honor tag titles um it was formulaic in a good way i think that this team this mjf adam cole team for however minimal time it lasts is a fucking blast it in some ways reminds me a little bit of rock and sock where you know this isn't real it's not going to last long term but the double clothesline is over the kangaroo kick is over max as a goofy fake baby face is over uh it was wise to have him out of a lot of this so it was a lot of adam cole two on one uh, in certain instances, and the dark order for clowns and goofs and people you didn't take seriously, uh, you can beat them 100 times out of 100 in the opening match. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a well-booked match. Um, it set up what seems to be a winning program for them, which is Joe and MJF. So, I mean, this is a really good, you know, it does feel like for the first time that MJF's title reign is really is really starting to cook. You know, we had a uh, that it, we had the Brian Danielson, the Moxley win, which Moxley kind of boo, boo-boo faced the whole fucking thing. So that didn't really work. We had, you know, Brian Danielson uh, and the MJF feud, which just always seemed like it didn't know what it, what it was going to be. We had the Pillars feud, which just bombed. And now we have uh, we have this Adam Cole feud that's done really well. And I don't think there were a lot of expectations for it. And MJF and Joe, which is is already like a really fun feud, and there weren't a lot of expectations for it. So, you know, sometimes what happens is, you know, like after I'm not saying that this is what's happening in AEW, but this could happen, which is after Brett leaves in '97, you're able to focus on the talent you have, right? So maybe you know, like not having as many options and being like. All right, well, you know, Joe, we we can always kind of count on Joe. Let's try this. Uh, Maybe that's made them stronger in a weird way. I don't know. 
makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Scott, what did you think of this match? Yeah, obviously, I don't think any of us were excited about the opponents. But when you watch the match, you are reminded that John Silver and Alex Reynolds are a lot of fun. And they do feel like a tag team, uh, which is maybe not rare in 2023, but it was rare a few years ago. And so I enjoyed the hell out of the match. You are right. It, it does. There is a rock and sock connection feeling to the point where um, this felt like a really electric raw segment, you know, like a yeah. raw main event. But that was what your first match was, which was so cool and so impressive to me. So, yeah, I just I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, MJF yeah. also and, like- and obviously this is when you realize that the crowd is very much on board for this show. MJF is is getting to a level where he's their superstar, you know, so it's it's just like when he's on when he's on screen, you know, I'm not going to say he's where Roman's at, but, you know, there is a there's a difference, man. It just feels different. It feels like I'm watching a guy in his prime right now. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to, you know, credit to Max, credit to Tony, credit to, you know, Adam Cole, who everyone kind of doubted, including Mr. Mike Lawrence. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Dan. They're succeeding in spite of Adam Cole. Sorry, that was me channeling Mike. Uh. So at the end of this match, they're walking up the ramp. Samoa Joe comes out. He shoulder bumps MJF, and this is the the creative mark in me. I love that we telegraphed what we were ultimately going to get on Dynamite. This is solid long term booking. Uh, from one episode to another. So I will gladly praise Tony Khan for that moment. Uh. That praise will stop when we talk about Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor. Um, I did not like this uh, at all. I thought that Shane Taylor looked fairly unimpressive. I think Joe was doing the best that he could in the situation, but it felt like he was wrestling a guy who did not belong on that stage. Am I, am I being too harsh about this, Dan? I think so. I like Shane Taylor, so you're never going to... I think I thought he was great in Ring of Honor. I, I think that it's really unfair to shit on Shane Taylor for this match. They they literally had a te- television title match for uh, a, a belt that's not on television. They built this up a week beforehand. No one knows who Shane Taylor is, and I like Shane Taylor. I think I maybe was the only person in the universe excited for this match. And then you know the match itself was very much you know it was Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley where. You know, there was nothing really wrong with the match, but it was there was no fucking heat. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of my thought. It was flat. And the fact that this match was only like six and a half minutes and I thought it was at least 14, 15 minutes long doesn't really speak no. highly of it. Uh, Scott, tell me why Shane Taylor is amazing and I'm an idiot. And I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm stupid. <laughs> no, look, this match was the segment before the match. The pull apart with MJF and Samoa Joe was so damn cool, so fun. And again, really like lit a fire under this crowd and set a tone for this show that was, uh, I don't know, kind of like lightning in a bottle. It was really fun. And then, yeah, I think I said it last week. I I wanted to pick Shane Taylor, but he was there. They had a match. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to judge. I'm I'm not as high on it as Dan was, but I'm not as low on it as Robert was. I you know I'll say this. It was six minutes though. 
You know, I'll say this about this Joe MJF feud. You know, this this is the Jungle Boy Punk feud. That's why it's going so well. They're literally doing Jungle Boy and Punk like a week after it happened. We're not, this is the closest we're going to get to Jungle Boy and Punk. That's what I'm trying to say. Like the entire crux and the, and the problem between the two guys. All right. Well, yeah, which is Samoa Joe pushing, you know, um, MJF as a fake security guard as a, as a young guy. Yeah. Which was good time. That was well, we'll, out, yeah, right? we'll, we'll, we'll get course. to it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it. When we talk about uh, about dynamite. It's rude to not give Shane Taylor the time and attention he truly deserves. Uh, and we will never speak of him again. Uh, next up, Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen for Christian's TNT title. Uh, and it was uh, it was a little like the Passion of the Christ for a lot of this match. Uh, there was a lot of blood. There was one guy just getting the shit beat out of him over and over again. And uh, it it seemed to work uh, at the end of the match. They go to do a concerto and the locker room of guys nobody really cares about come running out. And speaking of guys nobody actually cares about, Mike Lawrence is here. Mike, how are you? I was about to kill myself and that just pushed me over the edge. Were you oh, fearing for your life? The water kills you. Yeah. Do not fear for your life with me, Mike. I am so afraid. Never in my two and a half years of doing a wrestling podcast. Have I been so afraid? <laughs> uh, you're just in time. We're talking all out. We're, we're about to talk Luchasaurus Darby Allen. Uh, I don't know if you, if you caught the pay-per-view, if you have any thoughts on Luchasaurus Darby Allen. Um, I watched some of it. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, I think this is the best uh, version of Christian that we've ever gotten. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I love this version of Christian. You know, it's just like the the the, the save is saying this is the most margarine has ever tasted like butter. Still margarine. Um, I like margarine, but you know, it's it's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dan, what'd you think of this match? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, it was a good squash match. I mean, I, I think that the only thing that's kind of you know, I like the the Nick Wayne Darby thing that they're the story that they're telling, but it just. Feels like a story they've told with Christian a, a bunch of times before, but I don't even give a fuck of this match. I'm just a general man. Christian's heel character is a revelation. This heel character, you know, like you have Roman who's like the Thanos, you have like, you know, MJF who's like the ter- like the almost like evolutionary heel. He's doing stuff we haven't seen before. And you have Christian who's literally Shooter McGavin. That's who he is, man. He is Shooter McGavin. He is every Adam Sandler villain. It's all really mean, but really broad. So it's hilarious. Uh, you know, just shitting, you know, just shitting on, just going after a guy because he has a dead dad is just so fucking funny to me. And I, I don't know if you saw him on the press conference. He's great, man. In the press conference, he's just, his, his heel character is... He's just playing the honest version of all the veterans in the AEW locker room you know? <laughs> where he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm here to make as much money as possible. And I'm still champion, even though I don't wrestle. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's it. Who cares? Yes. Him, him saying to Nick Wayne and apologizing, I'm sorry. I didn't realize your dad was a wrestler. And then I went back and watched his stuff and he's way worse than I thought. <laughs> that was great. So fucking good. Uh, <laughs> Christian's awesome. Uh, I mean, this is what you want from AEW, from your, you know, a, a promotion that isn't so big and stuck in itself is that, like, they can take these risks. I mean, 
remember when they announced Christian as like a future Hall of Famer and he was a baby and it just didn't work and he was wrestling with Matt Hardy and it sucked and it's like, you know, and we shot on that and, you know, we're equally giving praise to this because they figured it out. Yeah, they did. And look, it's a gamble making jokes about dead dads. Scott, <laughs> what are your oh, thoughts on this? I love this. Hey, again, just like in the opening match, this again, and the second match, this felt like a an interesting segment. Yeah, I agree. I like that. that. I think everything with Christian feels like a really fun segment. So it's like it don't matter what's happening, and the fact that Darby is just holy shit, so good at taking bumps. He was good. I think the only if there was a nitpick, and that's my, the world that I live in, you had blood here when you had two other matches that were going to have dramatic uses of blood, I don't know that you necessarily needed the blood to sell that Darby was basically getting killed out there, but again, minor, whatever. Uh, next up. I mean, that's dude, that is, let, let's be honest, Robert. That's every AEW pay-per-view. If you want to, if you want to be critical, it, it, it it's is. like, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't even let one person do fat jokes last night. Two people had to, you know, like, they get into something and then they're really into it. Uh, speaking of things people really into, Miro and Hobbs was like the best WCW Saturday night main event match of all time. This was like Scott Norton versus Ice Train. Uh, this was. Don't a, insult a, these guys like that. Fuck you. I, I love those matches. Those old Scott Norton. <laughs> man, those are those were fun. This was the crowd got the joke immediately. Channing meat uh, and beat the meat like this was. A hell of a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the story they were telling. I enjoyed the surprise Lana appearance after and Miro's <laughs> bewilderment at seeing her. Um, her her great Jeff Hardy impression of coming out, posing, and then going to go rescue her <laughs> husband from getting almost killed. We um, call that a Jeff Hardy. Yes, that that was a Jeff Hardy homage. Um, and probably well, on as many. Also, pills. would have to dance to the ring. Well, she was on probably as many pills as he was. She couldn't dance. But Miro's awesome. Hobbs is awesome. This was a this was just fun. This was like this is what makes wrestling fun. Uh, Dan, am I off base on this? Did you hate this? Uh, I watched this match and I and I just kept thinking of that Sam Elliott voiceover beef. It's what's for dinner. Like this was just a blast, and um, you know, just seeing these guys just just two big slabs of meat slab each other was fun. Mike, you had to love this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was great. This is me and Jim Ross both came at the same time. <laughs> um, it this I mean, this, I mean, this is the wrestling promotion he wants, right? Just mate. And then he could put his barbecue sauce all over it uh, and just uh, come. Um, no, this was dude. This was <laughs> this was a blast. Like and this is I like mean, everything you know, Will or Utah isn't. <laughs> yeah, God, fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did have life and personality. Uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 interesting. Like I, you know, I didn't talk. Uh, you know, I was here at the beginning with the punk thing. Like, it is fascinating, and I'm, you know, because we do like a lot of these other wrestlers. Like, I think there was this Shoyden fraud of people wanting the audience to hijack this show, and I'm glad they didn't. You know, because that oh, would have just Mike, been you never gave your opinion. For... We t we talked about even really. I'm the only one who really told my opinion, but I'd love to hear everybody else. What did you think about these Tony messages this past week? Specifically, the message that we all saw in Collision, but also the one before All Out. 
Yeah, we didn't we didn't really get a chance to dive into that. Oh my and God. Gave his thoughts, ah, and then Jeez. Nick Hasman. But yeah, Mike. Yeah, so we didn't really, Nick we, Nick kind of steered us away from that. So, we, so we there was the the video that. at the beginning of Collision. That was a that was a pre-recorded uh, message to the audience that lost 100,000 viewers. And then there's the live uh, six minute promo that he gives to the crowd in Chicago, where at one point he sits in a chair uh, and a chair has not been that iconic since Clint Eastwood yelled at one of the Republican National Convention. Uh, Mike, what did you think of these two and why is this the best thing in the history of wrestling? I mean, this was the main event of the weekend, guys. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm so glad about- you talked about it because no, i talked about i mean we talked about like eighty thousand the the viewers dropping off yeah but, yeah yeah it was eighty nine thousand and and the and the video with uh tony was seven minutes and 12 seconds because i've watched it multiple times it's <laughs> i mean it's amazing because it's like watching a human try to be a human and he can't um you know it's it, it's but it's also the most he's ever felt like a leader which is cool like he had to do a thing and I think that, you know, he was smart to tell the audience. Oh, you really um, felt like he felt like a leader after the afraid for his wife thing? Oh, God, no. I'm, I'm just saying it's the closest he's come. <laughs> it, it was embarrassing, but it was it was still like it was an effort is what I'm saying. I'm giving him I'm, I'm not I don't want to completely shit on the guy because this is a weird situation. You know, this isn't like, you know, your your first uh black queer wrestler that you just act like doesn't exist and fired in the same weekend. This is CM Punk. Uh, <laughs> you got to give this proper due. Um, and look, he did. And it was very nerve wracking, but I think it, it was smart. I do think that he put the wrestlers ahead, like by being the guy who was like, you know what? I'll take all the fucking booze. Um, whether he thought that was going to happen or not, he should have assumed it was going to happen. But I think that people then got it out of their system. And, you know, honestly, like, we like wrestle crap and we like chaos and it's fun for us to talk about. But it would have sucked for these wrestlers and this company if these fans just shat on the whole product for the weekend. And, and that's what they paid for. I'm glad they didn't. Yes, uh, there there is the door open now for him to be a monster heel uh, in fearing for my life, now he needs security around him. They cut to him in gorilla. He's in like a hermetically sealed case. Uh, I think there's so. <laughs> m- I, I I genuinely want the like if this was Vince, the heel promo of CM Punk was my favorite wrestler growing up, and the only thing better than hiring the guy that I admired was firing the guy that I admired, and then you've made a nuclear fucking heel and let his awkwardness just flow through. But here's what's amazing about it is he's such a fucking dork that you say, like, I was afraid for my life and I felt threatened and I felt that my staff was threatened. You don't also need to say the whole disciplinary committee thing. Like, maybe on a legal sense, Robert, you have to, but it's like the fact that you would feel in danger like that and still have to make the decision is fucking stupid to me in terms of if you're gonna just tell me as a human being to another human being, this is why we're letting this guy go. I mean, I I feel like the the video message was bad because it was all red and it was uncomfortable, and he's not good at that, as we all know. I thought the live thing, as fucking brutally awkward as it was, was at least him saying the thing. Yeah. Um. 
I don't know if they needed the the say the disciplinary committee thing just because unless it was him trying to pass the buck and be like, look, I talked to Jack Tunney and they said this is what we have to do. But other than that, it doesn't really get you anything other than to make it seem like he was not the one who made the decision. I think that's the challenging part of this is if you look at it and say you threatened me, you endangered the production crew. I made the decision right then and there and said, you know what, you're fired. At least you can respect that. But to feel yes. like, well, we had to talk with a committee and talk to lawyers and decide what to do. And again, plays perfectly as a heel character. And I think in this post Mark Zuckerberg as a UFC fighter era, it's a great fucking character. Scott, I'll let you talk about both the video and your thoughts on Miro and Hobbs. Okay. I think the video is bad. Video is off. The sitting, Mike is right about the sitting down in front of the audience thing, which is he did eat the booze. But at the same time, it was just such loser shit. I mean, he really was like, I know, I know. Like they booed him and he said, I know, I know. Like he, like he went and brought the dog to the vet and came back without the dog, you know? <laughs> Gee, I, no, that's fucked. Who was it? Someone in our, our like, text thread said it was like watching like a fifth grader run for class president and bite it yeah he's just pissing his pants and he's just it's so so sad so sad it's very um it's like a guy explaining to a kid that he's leaving their mom and the kid is like dude you've been dating her for a month i don't care go he's like that's like this the stepdad explaining the divorce yeah it's just so <laughs> embarrassing and what do you think of Miro and Hobbs? Seems, oh. um, no, he just always seems to like strike the wrong tone. Like that's his thing, you know. And that you know, I, I don't know, man. I I just thought that the whole. I I also think, well, man, not to be aggro or whatever, but like, if you're running a company of wrestling men and you have people who've like legitimately almost been paralyzed, um, don't say you're afraid for your life. It, it's it's such like. It's such an insult to the people who are actually sacrificing their well-being in the ring for you. Yeah, it's not like you're yeah. on the road with Ash Wheeler or Jeff Hardy. You're not actually afraid for your life like those people would be. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm serious. But, I mean, you have guys killing your, themselves on your fucking program, and you're talking about how you're afraid for your life? Come on, man. Read the room. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think it's it's him trying to convey, like, look, Punk was, un in again, putting words in his mouth, unhinged he lunged at him equipment's falling over he's trying to attack me he beat I'm... up jungle boy and matt jackson that does not make you ming okay so but also tough. tony khan weighs like you know 75 pounds i doubt that guy's been in a fight i get why he's like i'm afraid of this ufc fighter when i've never actually seen any of his fights so it, it's fine it's his hyperbole it's his world he wants to live in uh, he's not a big jacked up dude like Miro or Hobbs. Scott, what did you think of Miro and Hobbs? Hell yeah, I love forward? that, Robert. There we go, baby. Train back on the tracks. I loved Miro and Hobbs. Uh, one thing I will say is Robert said that the crowd recognized the joke early on and then they got into it. Um, I, I think quite the opposite. I think the crowd w uh, was hungry for me and it became more and more frantic as as uh, as they began to salivate. This shit ruled hard, dude. Everyone was going bananas for this. It was so funny and fun and, and exciting and dumb. Dude, you watch matches like this and you go have like a super heavyweight division. 
And then you wake up the next day and you go, no, no, never do that. Never do that. But when these matches are happening, there's nothing more fun. This was awesome. It was a great match. I think their rematch, the stipulation should be the loser has to take a wellness policy test. Uh, really put some some uh, some stakes on this. What about uh, what about the loser has to become vegan? No more meat. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was on mute. Uh, I like that. That was good. I, that's uh, yes. I want to see Hobbs have to eat a salad. Here's my here's my one whiny thing about this, which is that should this have taken place in England? I think so. So they did a segment apparently during the the pre-show, but you know, I I guess this this look, I would not want to put Lana on an international flight. So no, Mike, this should not have happened in England. <laughs> um, we get uh, Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander for the uh, the the TBS title. Uh, we get crazy unhinged Tony Storm, who's. I, I'm kind of digging this character. It's oh, kind it's of awesome. really it's entertaining. Awesome, uh, the really match cool. was a very solid women's wrestling match. It, it, you know, the crowd tried to get engaged. It's tough to really be super plugged into what's going on here. I don't think they really care what winds up happening with the outcast since we see stables break up all the time in AEW, but two competent female wrestlers out there having a very, Solid match. Scott, why am I wrong? And this was the best women's match ever. <laughs> no, but it was it, it it was very enjoyable to me. But every time I watch a women's match in AEW, I fantasize about uh, Athena wrestling. So it's it's just give the people, Scott, what they he wants. <laughs> Mike. Um, I just want to praise Tony Storm. I, I'm loving this character. It reminds me of on In Living Color, uh, Kelly Caulfield had a character where she was like a black and white um, 40s, like, you know, like a screwball comedy character where she was in black and white, but nobody else was. And, oh, you yeah. know, we don't want blackface on the show, but I kind of love like Tony Storm just acting like she's in like the 40s, 50s. It's it's really fun shit. I mean, it, it's, you know, like, look, I think that the, the product is still a, as a whole not great at, at building shit and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, much praise to, yeah, Christian and, and her for getting these, you know, new wrinkles on their characters and being a lot more entertaining. Yes, her throwing the shoe at Renee on Dynamite popped me. Dan, what'd you Was think it of this? Chin up, tits out. It's chin, chin up, up tits, tits out, out and, and watch out for the shoe. And mind the shoe. Or mind then, the shoe. And then she throws the shoe at her. That's uh, hilarious. I, this is the I mean, this is the best uh look, this is the best comment I can give is that like I was watching this and my wife watched it with me and she goes, Wait, this is actually good. <laughs> you know, like she's like, This is this she's really funny. Um and yeah, but also somebody, like her impression of wrestling is just Meltzer talking. So anything would be better than that. <laughs> that's true Meltzer's got a girlfriend baby dyed black hair he keeps talking about it yeah and he, pets, he pets her on screen <laughs> so who is Dan more jealous of Meltzer for having the girlfriend or the girlfriend that gets to fuck Meltzer <laughs> that's the real that's the real debate here uh, we get uh, would Dan be Meltzer's way. dog wait who told you that Meltzer has a girlfriend Dave Meltzer did he mentions it. Uh, not that I. Oh wait. I, that means I, it's I, not true, Dan. Oh, oh, look at Dan. Look at Dan. <laughs> All right, well, okay, maybe I listened to a point of observer, but apparently he went sightseeing with his new girlfriend in London. 
I, I want that as a reality show more than anything else we have ever seen on television. Um, like it's like love on the spectrum, but just Dave Meltzer. He tries to rob the queen's jewels, but he just keeps counting them. Dude, I want to see. I want to see Meltzer versus Meltzer. I want to see him and the lacrosse coach ex-wife in a heavy divorce and custody case, and the lawyer just being like, "Yeah, obviously she's getting them." <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, look, this woman has clearly been through a lot. If 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 uh, Meltzer is her second shot at love, so. All right, we get Ricky Starks versus Brian Danielson. Uh, despite this having Big Bill Morrissey, this was a fucking blast of a match. Despite having Ricky Steamboat on commentary uh, with his amazing hair, this was a blast of a match. And I feel bad for Justin Roberts, who definitely had PTSD watching Ricky Starks get choked out by Danielson like that. Uh, this was probably the best Ricky Starks match we had. Brian Danielson just stepping in and over-delivering, considering everything that's gone on with, with Punk. And Danielson's like, I will just take over from here. Does it make a lick of sense with the Blackpool Combat Club? No. Does anybody really care? No. This was just a fucking blast of a match. Scott, what would you think of this thing? Well, yeah, so I, I guess it does turn out that the planned all-out main event was going to be Ricky Starks versus CM Punk in a strap match, which none of us really wanted at all, right? No, we saw the feud. We thought it was over. We were kind of all happy it was over because it didn't do what we wanted it to do. They had like three matches this summer. How the fuck did Tony think? Again, I don't think anybody – this was one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I still don't think people should have paid for it because you pay for the important event, which was a week before, and you shouldn't pay $100 in two weeks on wrestling ever. And so you're not supposed to see this. And what was I talking about? I got so frustrated about money I did not spend. <laughs> the Brian Danielson strap match that, yeah, of course, so you anyway, pay money to instead, watch. Instead of getting the CM Punk Ricky Starks match, which you've seen a 100- hundred – you. I've seen three times on a Saturday. Um, you get this moment, which was this was one of the best matches I've seen this year. This was unbelievable. This was something that if Ricky can ride whatever the fuck this was, I watched, which was my jaw dropped continuously, just kept falling more and more open. Um, he could have a really cool character on his hands. I I don't know what that is. But it's like he needs to become, uh, you know, he's kind of like uh, like Ren, right? And so now he's got to be like Ren with rabies. You know, Danielson um, got him got him nutty now. And I think that Dynamite promo maybe gives us some of that. I mean, he was getting whipped in the face, boys. How the fuck do you just continue the show after that? It, that match was wild to me. Am I wrong? Am I over-exaggerating? Dan? I thought it was a great match. I mean, clearly, you know, you know, like how how do you make up for Brian Danielson being limited? You beat the fuck out of the other guy because, I mean, that's you know, this is a lot about Walter. This kind of felt like a brutal Walter match, which which makes you realize like just how brutal Walter matches are. But yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I I think my big problem with this is just that was Danielson a heel? Is he a baby face? Uh, he just 
he gets carted around to so many different spots in this company. Um, you know, he's kind of been almost like big show turned. Uh, and like, why wouldn't, you know, like it's good. They had Ricky and bill, big bill going at each other, but why wouldn't Blackpool combat club be out there? I, it was more, it was not really the match. The match itself was great, but it was more my criticism of the promotion as a whole of like, guys, where, where is everybody? Where, where, where is everybody? You know, Mike, what'd you think of steamboat's hair? <laughs> Loved it. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, in my mind, uh, in in the racist mind that Vince molded, I will always imagine it with a dragon headdress. So, because <laughs> that's how I first saw him. Um, now I I think that you know matches have never been this company's problem. Work rate has never been this company's problem. They have a ton of great wrestlers that have the freedom to put on great matches, and you know you're gonna get them. It's just yeah, the building to them and making them matter. I mean, this is a match that had a one day build and, you know, it delivered in the ring, but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, look like Brian Adelson felt kind of like, yeah, he has felt like an afterthought and just a, a remedy that they've thrown out there. Um, You know, they've been doing that since WrestleMania 30. Uh, um you know he's you know no one's ever picked him as the guy even though he's you know maybe one of the best ever uh but you know look at the same time like i think this is part of why chicago wasn't so upset that punk was there is that ricky starks versus punk like to scott's point um was not a main event you know and and the fact that it was never even advertised it's like yeah we're upset punk's not there but it's like we don't know what we were going to get. And if that's what we were going to get, then no one really cares. And I don't think that CM Punk could have elevated Ricky Starks the way that Danielson did. It's just up to the company now to follow that momentum. And we know that's where they suck. Well, speaking of guys with killer momentum, Hangman Adam Page, who won a battle royal earlier in the night, announced that he's giving money to the Chicago uh, public education fund by winning the battle Royal and some of the crowd cheered and some of the crowd booed. And we got a kind of a payoff for that on dynamite. So we'll, we'll save that for the, the dynamite recap, but we got Shibata and Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli and Mike Lawrence's favorite wrestler, Wheeler Yuta. So Mike, we'll start with you. Well, scrappy Duda, which is what I'm going to start calling him now. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks uh i didn't watch this and, and i don't care and i love kingston but i want to see kingston in one-on-one feuds and this whole thing with the kingston and claudio and the blackpool combat club and it was even like i know was it danielson in the in the press conference it was like that's what's great about the blackpool combat club we could be bad guys we could be good guys well, like yeah, because you don't stand for anything like that's not good it's that you're undefined as characters and i don't care about your matches um yeah i had had no interest in this scott i said the word shibata you know who that is what'd you think of this match no you know i liked it enough but i i do think this was maybe the least focused i was on the show uh it was a nice again little treat to see shibata eddie kingston is obviously great the shirt was fun it's just every time I see Kingston, I am so crazy about what he is capable of that I go, why Why am I not seeing the, these major singles matches with Eddie Kingston in them? And yep. there's another Grand Slam coming up. 
And every Grand Slam we've had, which this is what, the third or fourth one now? The third, yeah. Um, the third one, we're going, is he going to be in another tag or another him and six other guys punching each other around the building? Like, I, I, I want to see Eddie crying at the end of the damn show. Well, no, it's got to it's gotta be him beating Claudio, right? You'd hope, or him beating, yeah, I guess it's got to be Claudio, right? He's not going to beat Moxley now with uh, Moxley having the title. So And yeah. Claudio, Claudio has a title, doesn't he? Uh, a ring of honor. He's the ring yeah, of honor ring champion. Of honor. Yeah. So Eddie, who's never been a world champion, that's his chance to win a world title in New York. And then Here he can go. give it to his mom who doesn't get grandchildren because the, she gets the ring of honor title. Uh, yeah, that'll happen at wrestle, uh, wrestle dream. I would do it at grand later. slam. I would too, but wait, wait, wait All and right. see what they do. Well, they're all, they're all a week apart guys. So. Yeah. Jeez. Really? All right. Well, Dan, what'd yeah. you think of this tag match? Uh, you know, I didn't really have many opinions on it. Um, I, I did think of like how badly the Shibata Kingston partnership would have been booked by 2005 Vince. Cause it would just be like, like comedy sketches of like, like, uh, you know, Eddie trying sushi for the first time and shit like that. And like, you know, doing like karate kid poses. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Claudio beat him, you know, in the middle of the ring, uh, uh I don't know. I, I liked uh I I liked uh you know Claudio kind of like walking past him earlier on. Like I think that was collision or something. I forget or with the pay-per-view. I forget. There's so much fucking wrestling that goes on every week. There's so much fucking wrestling that goes on every week. But the next match uh was Kenny Omega. Just, just one sec. Imagine how disappointed Kingston was when he said Shibata was gonna be there and bread didn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do it, and it still worked. Uh, we get uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Kenose Takeshita uh, with, with Don Callis, and uh, Takeshita looked awesome. Uh, he's he's really got that next up-and-coming guy vibe to him. It was a smart decision to have him beat Kenny uh, twice in a week. The Some of the screwdriver spots you probably could have lived without. You could have lived without Don Callis just existing but uh this chikesta guy he really looks uh he looks for real and omega seems like he's made it his mission to make this guy a a big time star uh damn were you as apathetic about this as you were the tag match no i thought this was great i mean i think the reason kenny never gets shit the way that the young bucks do is that he mostly hits it out of the park with these matches you know his promos aren't very good uh, the stories leading up to it, the, the story has actually been pretty good. But, um, you know, some of his storytelling outside of the ring is a little at times subpar. But, like, he's, you know, he's the best wrestler in the world, man. Him or Osprey or I, I don't know who else you want to throw in there. So, like, every Kenny Omega match is going to be, like, a fucking classic, man. Every singles match is going to be a classic. And he doesn't have a lot of them anymore. So it does, it feels, it does feel like, you know what it felt like the most important thing on a on an unimportant show. That's what it felt like. Mike, what did you think of this thing? Yeah, I think this should have been the main event. I thought this was the most built, had the most heat, and um, you know, uh, I think yeah, a problem with the company is they let guys flounder for a while. So like, you know, and I think they did that with Takeshita. Now I'm supposed to care about him, but. He's lost so many times and been such an also ran that 
now I'm suddenly supposed to be excited and I'm not as much as I should be because of all, because I, I'm autistic and I have a great memory and it's a curse when you're a fan of AEW because <laughs> you've seen everybody lose a lot and they even have the win-loss records and you see how much they've lost. So I, I thought the match was, you know, it was great, but uh, like I said, great matches aren't the problem. All right. Uh, Scott dropped off, but he messaged Omega's overrated to Kesta sucks. This match was stupid. Oh, wait, no, Scott's <laughs> back. Sorry, Scott, what do you think of this match? Come on, man. I loved everything. I loved uh, from the trunks to the commentary. It was all very, very good. Takeshita is obviously very, very good. Hold on. I love lot... Of this match, the first two things you mentioned were the, the trunks and the commentary. That is like damning this with faint praise. Oh, well, because Kenny's trunks were like a, a, a DDT uh, callback, you know? Thanks, and I thought commentary did. Yeah, I thought commentary did a very good job of, of telling this story. Uh, to Mike's point, look, I love Takeshita. Like, I think from the moment we saw him, what? it's almost two years now we were all like holy shit he's great now leading up to this we haven't seen a lot of singles to catch the matches where uh you're recognizing his finisher right and even though i agree with the roll-up last week uh or the week before that they did uh, in london when he lands his finisher this week you don't really know it's his finisher. You're just like, oh, okay. So the pin is a little more confusing and surprising, uh, which isn't good because you should know this guy's finisher. Uh, but goddamn, what a great match. And I do like that after he got the three, Kenny still kicked out, meaning if there was just one more second, he could have continued the match. And, you know, that's the fun storytelling you get with uh, shit like this. Yeah. A, a plus stuff. Yeah. Uh Good, good time to point out some of the officiating during this show was fucking god awful. Uh, them telegraphing when they know a guy's going to kick out and they're worried it's not going to happen. It happened twice during this Omega match where it was definitely a three, but the referee like pulled his hand up before uh, hitting it. it. It's the AW officiating tends to be pretty awful. Uh, we get Bullet Club and the Guns against FTR and the Young Bucks. This was the Young Bucks versus the City of Chicago. Uh, more than I think it was anything else. But this was a fun eight-man tag. Uh, the guns getting the pin, I guess, means they're going to hopefully get a shot at FTR. Uh, so I'm fine with it. I think the guns have gotten much better over time. Mike, did you care about this match at all? Nope. That's what I figured. Dan, did you care about this match at all? Um, I didn't watch this match, but I heard about all the crowd reactions. All right, guys, now we got to sit through Scott talking about how amazing Juice Robinson is and why we don't understand wrestling. <laughs> Dudes, this was so good. And if anything, listen, this showed that fucking uh, Juice, Juice goddamn Robinson, okay, is is going to be the new face of Collision. They are, have that already... That is the meanest thing you could possibly say about him. He's the face listen. of this sinking ship, this fucking Hindenburg blimp of a television program. This isn't a sinking ship. This is getting rid of... You remember you guys used to talk about casual fans all the time? Um, yeah, the people getting... who keep the business afloat. Yes, I've, I've yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about them. Those people who came back for CM Punk, get them out of here now, baby. We need only Juice Robinson fans to tuning in on Saturday night. Fucking all right, based on the ratings, that's all over. they're getting. I was going to say, so basically you just booked Impact. Yeah. Listen, wrestling fans are like fleas. The less, the better. So, 
Collision just I'm has more, less fleas than SmackDown, okay? I want, and, I want Juice Robinson to come out there on Saturday and just be like, look in my eyes, what do you see? A guy who <laughs> looks really doofy. <laughs> you know, they already replaced uh, CM Punk. Uh, you know, CM Punk was like the fr- uh, at the forefront of the collision, whatever, pictures, advertising. And now it's Jay White. And there's a reason. And it's because Bullet Club Gold is maybe the coolest version of Bullet Club ever. They are so fun and funny. And this oh match, my God. you really got to watch on, it. Dan, I'm absolutely being, dude, I'm being serious. And <laughs> this is the best Bullet Club. The best bullet, the one that that propelled AJ yes. to his second career, that, that made Kenny Omega famous. This is the best. Dan, yeah, Dan, dude, it's like fucking Carl Anderson, dude. Come on, let's get a grip. Let's be realistic. It, it, it was a bunch of fucking J-Brones, dude. Yeah, keep your Tomatonga, Dan. I will have uh, Juice Robinson and the Ass Boys all day. They are very funny. They are very funny. And uh, very enjoyable, very entertaining, and very good at wrestling. This match is awesome. You guys right. got to go back and watch it. It rules. Now that Scott's C- come. CM Punk was him. the voice of the voiceless, and Juice Robinson is the voice that I get really annoyed by the second he's, sentence. He's the tooth <laughs> of the toothless. Yes, she's yes. You hear his voice, and you realize that Tony Storm's lunacy is not a gimmick. Uh, mm-hmm. We get the main event, Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley for the international title. Uh, I know this is going to be a surprise, guys. There was blood in this match. Um, I'm just as shocked as you are. I think Orange Cassidy and John Moxley delivered a really strong main event. I don't think we had those kinds of hopes going into it. This was probably one of the best John Moxley matches we've gotten in the last several months. He seemed particularly motivated. The audience was involved. Uh, they dug it. And I also love the post-match where Orange Cassidy was getting his, I hate to say the phrase, but he was getting his flowers from the crowd and he still stayed in character doing the the, the quasi thumbs up. Uh, this was a really fun pay-per-view main event for what felt like a B-show pay-per-view. I think the, 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 the match over-delivered, but this would not have main evented a major, major show. This was a great, like, uh, payback kind of main event. Scott, why was this the best match of all time? <laughs> it wasn't the best match of all time, but it was a reminder of what actually makes AEW fun. And in all the pandemonium of the steampunk situation, we forgot that we all really loved AEW before it was even an idea that he would ever wrestle again. Um, so, of course, we're going to like AEW without him because they have the best wrestlers in the world doing some of the most fun, best wrestler in the world shit. And to see Orange Cassidy uh, get to main event a show and for that match to actually end an already great show on a high note, you just get to go, oh, fuck, that's really cool that that comedy act is working out in a way. That has got me excited for not paying for it. (laughs) But, you know, for pretending I paid for it. It makes you feel good being an AEW fan. It was a good uh, good show. Just a wrestling fan, not an AEW fan. Who gives a fuck? Mike, did did you feel good as a wrestling fan watching this this match? No. Um, These are the two, besides Jericho, two of the three most overexposed guys in the company. Um, I want to see less of them because I think it actually would make them more special. 
you know, the fact that Moxley never gets a fucking break, which seemed like something he wanted. Dude, and then and what does he do this week? He wrestles. He never sells his injuries or anything. I I love the idea of Orange Cassidy as Batman in Nightfall and someone being his bane. That was a great idea that they kind of really lost focus of. So that when he lost, it didn't mean as much. It's like, why was he in this fucking stadium shit last week? You know, if he's worried about his durability and stuff, he's just throwing himself all over the place. It it didn't make sense to me. Um, I love the idea of like a gauntlet of him going through guy after guy and how's he going to pull out of this one. But by the time he lost, it just didn't mean much. And, and look like this is a match. I, I think was this the, this is probably the first time these guys wrestled, but the I don't know the monotony of, of of dynamite makes me feel like this is a match I've already seen a bunch of times because I see these guys all the time on TV and they have such a rich deep roster that both the, these guys could have taken a breather for a few weeks after this to sell this and to push new people. Dan, what did you think of this main event? Yeah, I thought it's I mean I thought it's a good match. Um, probably the right choice for the main event. Um. You know, because those guys are, uh, you know, they're kind of like two of the stalwarts of the company. I go back and forth on her. I think Arch Cassidy is such a different type of character. And I like him. You know, I've compared him to The Undertaker before. I do think, like, you know, now he's like the 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 I don't give a shit workhorse, which sometimes that bumps against, like, those two things bump against one another for me. Uh, I, I agree with Mike. I think Moxley has been been very overexposed um and it just feels like it almost feels like sometimes when moxie's wrestling this isn't really about the match because i thought the match was good but it, it does feel like sometimes when moxie's wrestling he's like making a statement about wrestling like this is yep. what wrestling should be fuck you old man fuck you internet heads and like we know moxie's a really good promo we know he's a good wrestler we've seen him in some great matches we're just being critical of stuff we think is honestly the same fucking thing every week, you know? I, I And, you know, I think people are like, oh, you just don't like it edgy. It's like, no, man, we just don't like the same thing every week. And, you know, Moxley, you know, just kind of wants to do what he wants to do. If he wants to work with the guy, it'll be good. And if he, if he doesn't want to work with the guy, it'll be, you know, it'll be the MJF match in November. I, I, I do think Mike is right and that you could – you could have uh, you could have Moxie go away for a little bit for sure. Well, it's also to you know to get really nerdy here. Like, look who's in the world title brackets, right? A lot of fucking jobber level people. And why isn't Moxley in that? Why is he settling for a lesser title? That's another thing. Takeshi is not in it. Is Kenny in it? I don't think Kenny's no. in it. Nope. Nope. It's all but these Nick Wayne earned it. it. And Trent earned it. Well, I mean, Tony's just got a problem with tournaments, man. Somebody's got to sit him down and be like, nobody, like, you know, like, he, he's never met a tournament he hasn't liked. It'll be interesting at the end of 2023 to see how many tournaments we're, we get in AEW this year. And he literally, he gave up on his own win-loss stuff because he couldn't keep track of it. And he hated being called out on it. I think he physically likes writing names on a piece of paper and bracket. <laughs> then I go really to open mic. 
<laughs> I really think that's what it is. I think he's like, oh, this is a fun bracket. Look at this match. And look at this match. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's fucking paperboy shit again. All right. Well, uh, we're going to briefly go through uh, Dynamite or Dud since we've covered a whole lot on this show. Uh, but uh, hour one, Orange Cassidy came out to say, good news, Mike, he's not going anywhere, uh, despite the fact that this is a perfect opportunity to write him out. And then uh, keeping the Mike Lawrence train going, John Moxley is not at all overexposed versus A.R. Fox, Mike Lawrence's favorite wrestler, to retain his title. Uh, we get a uh, a segment with Nick Wayne, Christian, and Luchasaurus uh, after this match uh, that takes place because Nick Wayne's all upset about the Darby Allen stuff. Uh, we get Chris Statlander who promises an open challenge. And if you were excited to see Emmy Sakura, boy, was this a show for you? Uh, Roderick Strong <laughs> in the Kingdom. Uh, Roderick Strong does a promo about a video package about how his parents were abusive and he was a fat kid and he slept with a BB gun next to him and wrestling saved him. So that's one strike against pro wrestling. Uh, we get Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Aussie Open and what was actually a really good really good match uh afterwards there was a a miscue and uh jericho and sammy are now mad at one another uh we get a video package of ricky starks talking about how he got whipped in the face last week uh and then don Callish and Takesta with a uh, a painting that we're gonna unveil next week to find out who their next target is hour one of dynamite mike what'd you think eh yeah I, I there was a lot of stuff I liked on this show and, and most of it was hour two. Um, look, like trying to make Roderick Strong a thing is fine. Like w- watching him on TV is like getting shot by a BB gun. It's not death, but it's still annoying. Yes, but uh, if you poke your eye out, you don't have to watch any more of his matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that the uh, because MJF Joe is hour two, right? So yeah, that was hour two. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I thought that, like, yeah, here's Orange, here's fucking Moxley, and then, like I said, never selling injuries or anything. When you have, like, matches later on where people are, it's just fucking stupid to me. Um, you know, and AR Fox is a guy, it's like Christian or, or like Tony, where it's like, I just don't like the way he's presented. I mean, I think he's talented in the ring. They just have to actually make him matter and 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 the nick wayne experiment is not working and it 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 sucks because like they actually could use like a dark or an elevation for a guy like that um or even just rampage like they did with hook but i don't know why he's on wednesdays this much he just personality wise doesn't have it yet and i don't you know i'm not saying he's like not there he's just not ready yet you know he's young and he'll figure it out hopefully and and if he doesn't that's fine but i don't think doing it every week on wednesdays is helping anybody and it's certainly hurting him and uh yeah that one emmy sakura fan was really happy dan what'd you think of uh hour one I love the Christian, you know, shit on the dead dad promo. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I I think MJ, I mean, I'm sorry. I think Chris Jericho is better, you know, like in a card. Like, okay, dude, he's, just put him in a simple story like this. I thought he was good in the match. Um, you know, the problem is, is that there's just a fucking turn every week with this company. So, you know, like that's why I, I almost feel unfair sometimes criticizing AEW because it's clearly a showrunner problem. It's not. 
it's not the wrestler problem. Like, you know, like having the Sammy Jericho thing, you know, like, you know, near the Nick Wayne Christian thing, they have just so many beats and storyline parts that are like kind of similar and kind of, kind of different or different versions of each other. Uh, it, 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 it kind of garbles, you know, um, which yeah, there's is no probably, editor. Yeah. There's no editor, which is why like, you know, people, you know, like, look, everyone wants to shit on the great colleague kiss cam, but you have that on a show and I'm not saying that's great, but you have something like that on a show because it's different than anything else. And it's going to, you know, and no one else is going to try to do that. And, and then sometimes I feel like AEW repeats itself. I mean, AR Fox, man, I mean, this experiment, they tried, um, you know, he hasn't, he's not, it, it, it's not working, man. I, I, you know, if you like the guy and you want him to work and that's great. Um, but you know, like I said before, you know, this is, he, he's, he's kind of been exposed. Um, but you know, I thought really the most interesting stuff happened in the second hour. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave my comments for that. Scott. Uh, I actually thought Cassidy coming out up front was a, a bit of a breath of fresh air. It sort of set a trend for the rest of the night where after a pay-per-view, you are used to seeing no one who was on the pay-per-view. Uh, they, they disappear and a few new guys get a chance where in this show, it was guys you just saw on the pay-per-views uh, having new storylines where you go, Oh, wow. I, it barely happens in this fucking company. Um, I know it's in the second hour, but to go, oh wow, Swerve gets to con- you know to continue being on TV. I'm interested because I love Swerve. Uh, so I I liked honestly pretty much everything in the first hour, but I didn't love everything in the first hour. I just liked it enough. Moxley versus Ar Fox. I liked that Moxley came out immediately after Orange Cassidy. Because I think the story is Cassidy is going to become like sort of a heavyweight and then eventually beat Moxley again. Uh, yeah, the TBS match. Come on. It was fine. Look, I didn't think Ozzy Open should have lost. I I, uh, I did like the match. I, I thought Jericho and Sammy did a great job. I think Ozzy Open are, are amazing. And that's why I think they should have won. Just have Sammy and, and Chris uh, get in an argument during the match. All right, hour but two. Hey, whatever. Hour two, where there's some more meat on the bone. That's not a Samoa Joe fat joke, I swear. Uh, MJF comes out to talk about what happened the night before. He's about to call out Samoa Joe when Samoa Joe comes out. Uh, they make uh, jokes about ice cream, which lets them plug uh, Twisted Metal and take a shot at WWE. Uh, they uh, make a brish joke, which I never thought I would hear from Samoa Joe. They uh, they get into the William Regal story again, as well as uh, threatening to send Joe back to NXT. Max telling the story of how he was a security guy extra for Samoa Joe, and Joe was a dick to him in character. Uh, we get a square off, and then as Max is leaving, Joe kicks the ropes, low blows him, attacks him. And then we get an Adam Cole rescue from the crowd. I guess uh, he couldn't reach to climb over the barricade. It's why it took him so long. Uh, hour two. Uh, sorry, this <laughs> continues with uh, Roderick Strong versus Trent for the uh, world title tournament. So, you know, this is only a list top tier stars. Uh, Tony Storm, who we talked about before, has her crazy little moment. Hangman Adam Page comes out to again talk about how he was a teacher and then swerve in character says what we've been saying all along, which is 
we're embarrassed for you. You've really squandered every opportunity you've had. You, This company was built solely to get you over. You were world champ, and now you're on a pre-show. Uh, you're a joke, and your family should be embarrassed for you. Uh, we get uh, Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne for the uh, – title tournament uh, continuation because again Nick Wayne paid his dues for upwards of three weeks to be in this title tournament uh Christian's out there Luchasaurus is out there and uh Darby at one point hesitates to do the uh the coffin drop uh because he doesn't want to hurt his friend who earlier in the match he was bitching at him for not hitting him hard enough and then in the end wins by just kicking him in the head repeatedly until the referee stops because logic does not have a place in the main event of this show uh mike what'd you think hour two yeah man if i want to watch a wayne with dead parents uh you know i got 80 years of batman i don't need this guy uh i thought that uh yeah okay so yeah, we had double fat jokes, uh, but you know it's interesting. So I'll I'll talk about the Swerve promo first, actually, because I, I want to shine light on that. I, you know, I'll I'll mention MJF and Joe in a sec, but I thought this was Swerve's best performance. I thought this was really cool. Um, I I actually I like the way that Hangman came out there. I like the charity stuff. Um, you know, him saying I'm a teacher, like anything that humanizes these guys um, that isn't just them burying each other, I think is great. And I like the way that he did just take swerve shit until the moment crossed the line. I thought this was ruined by Brian cage. I really wanted it just to be these two guys. I know that it's like, you know, now there's the mini boss that hangman has to get through to elongate a televised storyline. But I really like the heat between these two guys. I don't need that other goober in there, um, which, you know, uh, but some of the lines that Swerve had were just fucking fantastic. He came off like, you know, he wasn't like he was mad for a reason. You know, you've been given this spot and I'll take it from you. That was all great. It it all made sense into why one pro wrestler would be mad at another pro wrestler um, in a way that it often doesn't make sense. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I thought this was a, a breakout performance for Swerve that they have to follow up on. Um, and then, uh, you know, MJF and Joe, it, look, man, like, I love MJF. I think he goes back to the personal well too much because he does it all the time. And I think he could have either done the pushed around by Joe when he was there thing or the regal thing. I don't think you needed both. It's just like this whole segment was what, like over 20 minutes. Um, and then if you combine it bleeding right into the Trent and Roderick match, it was over 30 minutes. You know, the, the, the Trent, the Trent and Roderick match was like, you know, when you would like, um, do like random GM in a video game <laughs> and it would just put two wrestlers together. Like what the fuck are they doing? You know, like D'Lo and Val Venus. Okay. Uh, it was, I mean, the fact, if this was for the world title it's like all right i'm sorry i called this the a show they just don't have one uh that this was bad this was this was like i watched this match and i wasn't sure what their finishers were <laughs> so <laughs> um you know and the whole thing of like the guy wearing the neck brace but then he's fine i yeah and and you'd already been just playing with mjf's neck injury it's yeah the lack of editing like one neck injury per show, one fat joke per show. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that uh, 
I was waiting for MJF to make a Will Arnett joke, but that I'm sure that would actually hurt Samoa Joe's feelings. Um, <laughs> and to make a joke about the Suicide Squad game not coming out yet. Uh, but yeah, this was this was fun, and they didn't bury each other so much. And um, I'm excited to see this feud. I agree with you on uh, Shrimpy McGee taking so long to get to the ring. You know, it's it's you look like if you watch this stuff and you try to think logically, it never makes sense. Like, what was Adam Page going to say before he was interrupted by Swerve? We don't know. Who knows? Um, and yeah, and how is Nick Wayne a world title contender? We don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I like this episode. I'd say Dynamite over Dynamite or Dud, and it's because of the second hour and these segments. And you introduced two fresh, exciting matchups: Joe and MJF, and Swerve and Hangman. And that's all a wrestling show needs to do. I like that Swerve found a way to make uh, Hangman Page's inability to sell merchandise actually be a way to draw money. CM Punk could learn a thing or two about pretty much everything. Damn, Dude, I was waiting. I was sorry, as I say, I was waiting for Hangman to just be like, I'm giving money to Chicago education so that the next generation doesn't turn out to be a bunch of punks. That would have that that could have worked. Dan, what'd you think hour two? Dan, you're on mute. I thought the swerve promo was great. Um, I completely agree with Mike about the swerve promo. Um I thought the MJF Samoa Joe stuff was was good. I look, I liked. I I just think it's they're really good on the mic back and forth, and and yeah, they they are again bringing up a small WWE thing, which is you know very impacty to do. But um, I did think that uh, this one worked, and I you know look, man, I'm glad we're gonna get Joe and more prominent role. Joe Joe is one of those guys who knocks it out of the park every time, and nobody gives him the ball. Uh, because he's injury prone and, you know, because he has an at- atypical look. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought um, I thought the second hour was really good. I I, I do think Nick Wayne, I, I don't think it's – I think it's too early to say the experiment hasn't worked. I mean, I think he's got great facials. Um, you know, the problem is there's just a lot of guys like him that, you know, that young Lionheart character. Uh, there's just a lot of dudes that are like him. And we the Christian stuff's fun, so – you know, fuck it, I guess. Um, I mean, they handled Action Andretti so well. Why would they not handle Nick Wayne well? Well, that's the thing. It's just, you know, I I, I think that Tony has only a couple of stories he likes to tell. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Dante Martin got started on the right foot. Uh, you know, we, all, we, always con- we always shit on Vince for that. Oh, there's only so many stories he wants to tell. And, and Tony is, I think, even worse with that, you know, as far as like only wanting to. He's only got a couple of stories he can tell. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, at least I know with Joe and MJF, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to always, they're going to, they're always thinking about the audience. Those two guys, there's all, they're always thinking, okay, but is the, is tonight's audience going to be entertained by this particular segment? And I don't think that's ever a bad thing to happen. So I thought it was a, it was a good second hour, man. I mean, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, I, I think it was a good, uh, you know, I, I just a compliment in general for like guys like, you know, as much as everyone wanted to shit on like the ranking dickness of impact, a lot of guys that came from there, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, uh, they're just consummate professionals, you know, like 
they just are under they're like look i made a tv show and nobody was watching it for years and years and i showed up and i did my fucking job and it's done um so i i did like that aspect of like you know, I think Joe and MJF, those are the type of guys you can concentrate on in the in the in the company. And I just think it's, it was kind of meta and interesting that the Jungle Boy and Punk feud, uh, backstage feud, kind of, you know, it kind of has uh, it kind of has colored the Samoa Joe MJF feud, and a lot of the Hangman stuff that we've all talked about on the internet is now actually coloring what's what's going on w- with his actual wrestling. And and I think it's cool that Hangman is going to give you know, this dude, uh, uh, you know, actually really get, you know, swerve in the main event and, uh, nobody has really tried to do that for him yet. So, um, I thought it was a good second hour of wrestling television, Robert. Scott. Oh yeah. You know, I enjoyed this. I I thought the Joe MJF thing was fantastic. Uh, both did their thing. The Roderick Strong shit is funny. And and Mike, you, you know the relation of MJF's neck and Roderick's neck and Adam didn't save. Because Roderick's neck is messed up because of Samoa Joe. And so Cole saved MJF but didn't save Roderick. And so it's all the same storyline. It's, it's, but both it's, their necks uh, are hurting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that's part of it. It's it's Cole takes cares more about MJF's hurt neck than Roderick's over-exaggerated hurt neck, uh, which I think is really funny. I think Roderick is a blast. I think he's another, uh, at least this character of him, because I've seen some Roderick characters that are just boring as hell. He's just, hey, I'm Roderick Strong. Uh, this isn't that. I think it's really funny. I just think some people got to get used to it, like uh, like like my boy Juice. And then people, people once they get a hold of it, they'll want more. And I, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought this hour was fun. The Joe shit was fun. Swerve Hangman shit was unbelievable. I, I will go to Grand Slam if that match happens at Grand Slam. If it doesn't happen at Grand Slam, I might not go to Grand Slam. All right. Well, uh, Scott, we'll we'll stick with you for uh, high spot, low spot. My high spot is a, a pay-per-view that I think everybody was down in the dumps on. That turned out being a really, really awesome um, example of of what good pro wrestling is and why we all watch. I agree. That, Pay- that show payback was awesome. No, dude, payback was fun. Payback was a lot of fun too. Uh, but all in was was just something really, really cool and special and like a little moment. Uh, and Chicago, you know, the Chicago crowd made that happen too. So that that's a high spot. Look, I mean, it is this. We didn't talk about it last week because we didn't know, right? So it's got to be CM Punk being fired. Because no matter how cool your fucking show is, no matter how awesome it is that you have Danielson and Joe and and Omega and FTR and the Bucks, you could have had CM Punk and you don't. You shit the fucking bed. This could have been really special. And again, it's going to be fine, but damn. So so many cool things we could have had that we just don't get to have now. Plus, again, we might get Edge now in the company. And, um, you know, Mercedes Monet seems to obviously eventually, you know, she's going to work a few dates there. So to not have Punk, it's just fucking lame. It's everybody involved's fault, especially Tony Khan. All right, Mike, what's your high spot, low spot? Okay, um, 
this is my my high spot. Uh, I went to Target today, and they had an Owen. Uh, wow. It was the first time they had new. AW it's actually an Owen Benjamin, not an Owen Hart. It's the different. <laughs> <laughs> His opinions fall flat. Um... <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! My God, there he is. Yep. So, uh, no, man, this is a fucking cool thing. I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime of like being a wrestling fan that a company is releasing a mass produced Owen Hart figure and he's there and he fits in with the other Hart Foundation members and stuff and it's fucking cool. Um so that's my high spot. Um my low spot is yeah, I think the way that the whole CM Punk thing was handled. I mean it sucks that like look, I think he should have been fired if he was attacking people and you know, um, but nobody looks good in this. Jungle Boy doesn't look good. Tony doesn't look good. CM Punk doesn't look good. It it kind of hurt all of their credibility um, a little bit to me, and and that sucks. And yeah, I don't think that CM Punk at his best as a talker. I don't think anyone is as good as him. But I think that they did as good a job they could Wednesday to show like no promos still do matter here, and here's some good promos. But, you know, look, man, I can't lie and say when I'm watching MJF interact with Joe, it did it did feel like a lesser version of the day before Thanksgiving uh, MJF punk segment, which is still to me the best one on one um, promo spot they've ever had in this company. And maybe one of my favorites I've ever seen in wrestling. So. All right, Dan, what do you got? I mean, a high spot, I'm going to just say, you know, because I'm going to be probably a little bit more part-time on the pod Mike with Mike, I'm not going to be on um, the Patreons as much. I'll probably join uh, Robert this Saturday if he's doing something, um, but I'm not going to be on the Patreons as much. I'm going to be probably on the show, you know, once or twice a month. I'm uh, I'm a big, uh, I, I just want to thank everybody on WrestleRust and this community and, you know, our fans here I really love and, uh, you know, I'm glad that they're still a part of you know, I'm still going to be doing the show on a, on just a smaller, you know, a more uh, abbreviated capacity. Uh, and uh, it's just fun to talk to you guys about wrestling and, you know, to hang out with everybody. My low spot, the same as Scott and Mike. I, I thought this, you know, Mike touched upon it, but this made everybody look bad, man. I mean, Sam Punk came across looking like a like a butthurt maniac. You know, the elite came across as like fucking high school girls. Tony came across as completely incompetent. The only silver lining is that you see people like, you know, MJF, like Samoa Joe, like Swerve, who are just out there trying to do a good job and trying to be different and just going to work, man, just going to work and getting the job done, Um, which none of these guys who were supposed to be top guys, you know, whether it be the elite or CM Punk, none of them were able to – and I guess this is as good a time as any guys now that I'm leaving um, my replacement next week will be Ace Steel. So <laughs> Ace Steel just got fired. But again. to your point, Dan, it is perfect. Like the fact that these guys all had animosity and no one could make money off of it is probably one of the biggest shames. Yeah, I think that if you watch like, like you know, like if you ever watch clips from Booker T's podcast, Oh, yeah, he'll talk about you know his his opinion on like he's like 
he like he, he like when whenever his co-host brings up like everything that's going on he just starts laughing because he's just kind of like first off the guy's been in prison so he knows like what real beefs are I guess, yeah. you know? uh and he's just kind of like enough about impact yeah dude are they making <laughs> money off this or not you know like that's just so you know and he famously got into a big backstage fight with batista at SummerSlam, and now they're cool and everything but his whole thing is like what the fuck is going on you know like um, I think Jungle Boy looked like a bitch from all this. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody looked particularly good at the end of this. I think it's going to be, you know, especially this time around. I just think that, like, everybody who said a bad thing about almost everybody involved in this, like, most of those bad things turned out to be completely true, <laughs> you know? And that's that's never a good sign. Yeah, well, that's that's my specialty is finding the uh, the dark cloud and any silver lining. Um, so my, my high spot this week, I, I, I watched payback. I thought payback was a, a really fun show. Uh, it over delivered in some ways that the tag match was fun, but I think my high spot to parallel as sort of like the, the, uh, bizarro version of CM Punk is John Cena. Cena comes back, uh, on SmackDown. Remember he, he is a legitimate mainstream star in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah. He doesn't need to just come back and do everything he did. He came back. They used him to further the Bloodline storyline with Jimmy Uso. I thought he did a really good job with that. They used him as the special guest referee for the L.A. Knight Miz match so he could put over L.A. Knight. And my opinion of that, I will talk about on Patreon this weekend. But just to use John in that moment was great. They used him as a backstage interviewer. He's just really selfless in this role and a guy who could have the biggest ego about it and just knows I'm going to go there. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to go do the India tour because I haven't performed in India before. And I just want to be thankful and be happy to be there. It's what you would have hoped this punk run in AEW would have been um, my, my low spot besides all the punk stuff. Uh, Adnan Al Casey passed away. And uh, on top of being part of that SummerSlam uh, Sergeant Slaughter storyline, which I guess I just hold dear given my age He's got a lot of really fun, wacky stories. There's a couple of them in that uh, that Vince McMahon Ringmaster book uh, where he got interviewed. I think my favorite was he was legitimately friends with Saddam Hussein when they yeah, were younger. And Saddam, when he was in charge of the uh, Iraqi National Guard Army, had them put on a wrestling show for the troops and for, for the Iraqis. Uh, and it drew like a massive like soccer crowd stadium full of people. And the main event was Adnan against uh, Andre the Giant. And before the match, Saddam Hussein basically told him, he's like, you know, you're going to win tonight. And if not, Saddam pulls back his jacket. He's got a gun. He's like, we'll take care of Andre. So during the match, Ad- Adnan has to tell Andre, I'm going to go over to nothing or else they're going to kill you. Uh, and Andre gladly laid down and then the crowd started firing guns in the air after the match. And Andre was legitimately fearing for his life. Uh, it's one of the things where you go, that is what fearing for your life in wrestling is like. Worry that Saddam Hussein is going to kill you, not that CM Punk might accidentally bump a TV monitor somewhere in your general vicinity. Uh, but uh, Rob, Robert, Robert, would you? Would you say that that show was the first ever tribute to the troops? Yes, that was the tribute to the troops. Um, and and hopefully they got paid as much as the Saudi blood money is. But uh, if you want to see, use your blood money to see amazing live entertainment. Dan, where can where can the fine folks see you? 
Dan, you're on mute. I threw the fucking softball. And you... Speaking of uh, being afraid for your life, come see Dan St. Germain live. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, this comes out Friday. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in New York this week. I'm at Gotham Comedy Club and uh, a few other places uh, next week. But next week, uh, it believe it's September 14th through 7th. That'll be the St. Louis Funny Bone headlining there. The weekend after, uh, I will be at the Fairfield Comedy Club. Weekend after that, I'm going to be headlining Laughs in Seattle. And weekend after that, I am going to be headlining the Rhode Island Comedy Festival in Newport, folks. So uh, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun shows, a lot of fun events. Um, I have another podcast, The It Couple, uh, where we review horror movies. And this week, we had Dolph Ziggler on to talk, talk Toxic Avengers. So I, I shared it on the WrestleRose feed, but... Check it out. We have the full episode on YouTube and then and shorter ones coming up. Um, yeah, folks, that's uh, that's it. Fo- you know, as far as our podcast, man, just fucking leave more five star reviews on this iTunes. Subscribe. We got like, you know, like uh, just keep us keep our name around, brother. You know, like, you know, keep uh, keep pushing it. So keep our name right, in you your mouth. Uh, Mike, uh, what do you want to plug? Love you. Yeah, I'll be on the road with um opening for Pete Davidson September 20th in San Francisco at the Masonic Theater, September 23rd in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan, and uh September 27th at uh, El Cajon at the Magnolia and near my home uh in LA uh 29th in Anaheim. So uh if you want to see uh a massive star and also me, go to those shows. All right, Scott, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, I'll be texting Mike about wrestling if those shows are on a Friday or Saturday. Uh, I'll be telling him that he's missing a Juice Robinson match if any of those gigs are on a Saturday. And that's why we're friends. uh, I have another (laughs) podcast out for smokes. (laughs) I have another podcast out for smokes uh, you should check out with Mike Racine and Sean McCarthy. That is it. All wash right. Your hands, boy. Well, yes, uh on behalf of everyone here, uh wash your hands.